Welcome to the Discipleship Now podcast, hosted by Dr. Matthew Turner, an author, ordained minister, and father of three. Dr. Turner has pastored, held multiple ministry leadership roles, and currently serves as the Mission USA Administrator of the Congregational Holiness Church. In each episode, we'll dive into different aspects of discipleship, sharing personal stories and experiences, as well as insights and teachings from the Bible. Our hope is that this podcast will serve as a source of encouragement and inspiration for all who listen, whether you're a seasoned Christian or just beginning your journey of faith. So, Grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join Dr. Matthew Turner on this journey of discipleship. Wondering where we will go in our lives is one of the most exciting and most nerve-wracking thoughts that we could spend our time thinking about. When Jesus called his disciples, one thing was very clear. Jesus never asked his followers to help him decide his will or what he should do in circumstances. No, Jesus always had one plan, and that was to do the will of his Father. Hello, I'm Dr. Matthew Turner, and welcome to Discipleship Now, where we will dive into life, family, and ministry through the lens of biblical discipleship. And in this episode, we're going to continue our series that we started a couple of weeks ago in Follow Him. And I want to take a second look at a verse of Scripture that we've previously looked at, in Matthew chapter 4, not verse 19, but actually verse 23. This verse gives us so much information, both by what is said and by what is not said. Jesus, in this verse, he now has four followers, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, four disciples. And after he calls them to follow him, he begins preaching and teaching all around Galilee. Listen to the scripture in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. Now, I want you to notice something about Jesus' decision-making after he called these these four men. Jesus never held a conference with them, and asked them what they thought he should do. Jesus didn't say, hey guys, I know what we'll do. Let's put this thing to a vote, and we'll see what the consensus says about which direction or which town that we should go and visit next. I love serving in the Congregational Holiness Church. It's the denomination that I've grown up in, and we have some of the most amazing men and women of God that I've ever met in my life serving in the CHC. I've learned so much by the different leaders and the different people who, who, have, who have served and who are serving in different positions. And, and in our denomination, our, our government, we are set up to, to hear from people, to let them cast a vote about their leaders, about circumstances, about uh, the way we're, we govern ourselves. We love to vote. Now, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Please don't misunderstand me. We love to get people's opinion about all kinds of things. However, voting only works when your government is set up to govern in that fashion. God's kingdom is not a republic. It's a monarchy. God is king. His word and his will, they are absolute. And I bring this up because there's been so many times in my own life that 
I thought God maybe needed my help or, or my opinion in figuring out what he should do with my life. And so I would so often in, in really pride speak up and say, God, I really think you, you should do this or that, or I really think I, I should go in this direction. You know, don't you think so, God? Um, I don't think God has a problem with us talking to him uh, in, in a fashion of where we're just having a conversation. But I do think and know from Scripture that God certainly has an issue if we, ha- if we are full of pride and we think that we know better than the Lord. Anna Kate and I were married in August of 2010, and we originally planned on an October wedding, but being so completely in love, it compelled us to move the wedding date up two months. And it seemed as though that we just so happened to choose the hottest day of the year. And it was an indoor wedding, thank the Lord, but the short walk from the chapel to the reception hall made you feel like that your clothes at any second were going to burst into flames because it was so hot that day. But it was also the happiest day of my life. I got to marry the prettiest girl in the whole wide world. After we got married, we moved into a small two-bedroom, two-bath apartment in Jacksonville, Alabama, and we were both still in our undergraduate schools. Both of us were working two and three jobs apiece. And the Lord was starting to open a few doors for me to travel to a couple of our local churches and to preach. And not terribly often, but but once or twice a month, I would have an opportunity. And that was a huge blessing to us. We were loving our lives and we had often discussed our future and what we thought our future would look like. And neither one of us thought that we would ever move into the role of a pastor, of a senior pastor of a local church. We just couldn't see that happening. We actually felt like we'd made up our minds that that wasn't going to happen. And we even turned down an opportunity. I turned down an opportunity to pastor right before Anna and I uh, got married because we just felt like that wasn't what God wanted us to do. We felt like that's not what we wanted to do. I'll put it that way. However, just a few weeks after the wedding, God spoke to me while I was at home by myself and he told me that he wanted me to pastor. My response was, God, I thought we'd talked about this, but I realized I had talked, but God never agreed with any of my plans. But I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if, if this is what you want in my life, you're going to have to talk to Anna. I'm not going to say anything to her. Again, I, as I mentioned, I knew exactly what we had talked about and how we felt like Anna and I, how we felt like our lives were were going to be like, what they were going to be like. So I, I told the Lord, you're going to have to talk to Anna. Well, just a few weeks later, Anna Kate came to me and she said, you know, you, maybe maybe we're supposed to pastor one day. I don't know. Maybe Maybe we should be open to that. And at that moment, I knew that God had spoke to her. And so I shared with her, exactly what the Lord had dealt with me about. And just four months after we were married, Piedmont Congregational Holiness Church voted in a 22-year-old as their pastor. I'll never forget it. It was December the 19th of 2010, just four months after we got married. It's amazing when I think about what God has done, not just in that place of our lives, but in so many places, how God 
has taken us from one step to the next and to the next. When Jesus called his disciples, he didn't ask them where they wanted to go or where they felt like would be the best place for them to go. No, Jesus told his followers, follow me. There's a wonderful place in scripture where God calls Abram to leave his homeland and God tells him something in Genesis chapter 12 that tells us a great deal about how God intends to lead us today. And we really can see this great correlation between God's will in Genesis 12 and God's will in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. Listen to Genesis 12 and 1. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Did you catch that last part of what God said? That I will show you is what the Lord told Abram. There's a couple of things I want to encourage you with, just thinking about all of this and thinking about where God might take us in our life. I want to encourage you, first of all, that God has a plan for your life. God had a plan both in Genesis 12 and in Matthew chapter 4. God doesn't fly by the seat of his pants, and he doesn't just see what happens and, and then makes a decision later. No, God had a plan from, for Abram, and God had a plan for the four men, indeed the twelve men, that he would call to be his disciples. And God has a plan for your life uh, uh, today and tomorrow and for the rest of your life. Jesus has a plan. Although he didn't tell the disciples ahead of time where he was going to lead them uh, or, or what he was going to do completely in their life, he didn't paint the full picture. But the truth of the matter was he was going to lead them wherever they went. They didn't know when, where Jesus was going to take them when he said, follow me. But they did know that wherever they were going to go, Jesus was going to be there. And God has the same plan for your life as well. God has a plan for you. Wherever you are, whatever you're currently doing, God has a plan for you. He won't uh, spell out the whole plan. He won't paint the full picture just as he did not for Abram, just as he did not for, um, for the disciples. He won't give you the whole scope. But what he will promise you, what he has promised you, is that he will lead you wherever you are to go. God had a plan to bring you to the place that you are today, and he has a plan to use what you're doing now to help mold you into the person that he wants you to be so that he can take you to the next place. God has a plan. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about in the episode of Small Steps about how that how that God is using where you are now to prepare you for the next step. And that's exactly what we see in verse 23. That's exactly what we see in Genesis 12, that God called to these men and he used where they were at that moment to help them to be molded and shaped into the person that they needed to be so that they could take the next step in their relationship with God, in the ministry that God had called them to do, and what they had, what they learned is that all the way from the very beginning of their lives, that God had a plan. And the same is true for you and I today. God has a plan and has had one this entire time. But not only that, 
I think we can look at Genesis 12 and Matthew 4 and realize that not only does God have a plan, but we realize something about the way that God chooses to lead us. The way that God leads requires our participation. It requires our participation. What I love about the Lord is I know that God could cause anything to happen at any moment. I just truly believe that he's sovereign over everything and everyone, every element and every atom in this entire universe. He's in control over, and God's will is so powerful. His, his word is so powerful. He could do anything he chooses. But what he chooses is to allow us to have free will in the decision-making process of our lives. God chooses to tell us what he wants us to do, to even perhaps show us what he wants us to do, but then he requires our participation in following him. Just again, for example, when Jesus called his disciples, he said, follow me. He said to the disciples, I have a plan. I have a direction. I have good for your life. I have wonderful things that you're going to experience. And Jesus could have, I don't know, snapped his fingers. He could have spoke the word and could have caused their bodies to start walking in the steps that were towards him. Jesus definitely could have done something like that. But no, he left it up to Peter and Andrew. He left it up to James and John. And beloved, he's leaving it up to you as well. God leads in a way that requires our participation. Abram could have said no to God. Andrew, Peter, James, and John, the other disciples, they could have said no. But look at what they would have missed. You know, there's not many things that I remember, unfortunately, from my undergrad economics classes. But one thing that I do remember very well is something called the opportunity cost. Opportunity cost. An opportunity cost is defined like this. It's defined as the loss of potential gain from other alternatives when one alternative is chosen. It's so interesting, the idea of opportunity cost. If I decide to go left in, on this road, then I will not see or experience what is taking place on the right-hand side if I go to the left or vice versa. Or if I choose to leave the job that I'm at now and I choose to, to go to a different job, I may have great experiences in my new job, but there's going to be some opportunity costs that I will miss in my current job if I would just keep on in this current job. So there's opportunity costs to everything, to anything. And you could say no to the will of God and the direction of God in your life, but what would be the opportunity cost? What would you be giving up? What adventure would you be denying? If I could imagine what Peter and Andrew would say to us about their adventure, that it, if we asked them the question, did they ever regret dropping their nets and following Jesus? I believe that they would say saying yes to Jesus was the greatest decision that they ever made in their whole life. So where will you go? I certainly don't know the answer to that question. I would never 
assume to know the will of God for anybody else's life but my own. Truth be told, it's very difficult for me sometimes to discern the will of God in my own life, and it's not because of the Lord, it's because it's because of my own selfishness and pride and my own way of thinking, again, thinking that sometimes God needs my help, or I just decide that this is this is not for me, or that is for me, and and sometimes God is saying, "You just need to stop and ask me which direction. What do you want to? What do? What does God want for our lives? So where will you go with Jesus? I I don't know, but I do know this: that God has a plan for your life, and that God wants to lead you in a way that will require your participation. He wants you to be actively involved in the kingdom of God and following Him. And I pray today that you will choose to follow Him, just as the disciples did, just as they they listened to Jesus and followed Him in everything and every way that He told them to do. Jesus never asked them their opinion or what they thought would be best. No, Jesus relied on His Father for his father to tell him what was best. And then he acted out the will of God accordingly. And that is the highest hope and the greatest aim that you and I can live our life, is us to hear the voice of God, to know the will of God, and to follow him. I would love to connect with you. Please reach out to me on my website, MatthewRyanTurner.com. And if you're interested in any of the other resources that I have, please check those out, including my newest book, Follow Him. You can purchase a copy there on the website and wherever books are sold. Until next time, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Discipleship Now podcast hosted by Dr. Matthew Turner. We hope this episode has encouraged and inspired you on your faith journey. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others who might benefit from these conversations. Until next time, keep seeking Jesus and growing in your discipleship journey.